Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. You don't seem like a public menace to me. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Keenan. Esse é o pra 10. Keenan. Recua no pocket. Faz o lançamento pra recepção do Tix. Que avança. Minha mãe do céu. That's what a Portuguese Stefan Diggs touchdown call sounds like. Sounded pretty good, actually. I liked it. Yeah, this is Case Keenum from yesterday. I'll play a couple sound bites here from Case Keenum talking about the matchup and Nick Foles on the horizon. I know this is is what all you guys uh, predicted back in the day was a Foles versus Keenum NFC championship. So good job to all you guys that, that predicted that. Yeah. Jeff Fisher must be so proud. Oh, he did a heck of, of a his job. His two backup quarterback sons Developing were just atrocious him. underneath him. Uh, Nick Foles had that one incredible pop-up season a few years ago, but Pat Shermer was the offensive coordinator, remember, and he's been really bad statistically since then over the past four years. Here's what surprises me, that Keenum soundbite, I don't don't hear the obligatory guffaws behind that. Oh, the Where media are they? laughing? The Dead yeah. silence is what it was. Really? Wow. Yes. I know this is this is what all you guys uh, predicted back in the day was the Foles little... versus Keenum NFC Championship, mm-hmm. so good job to all you guys that, that predicted that. A little bit of a, there was a cackle in there. When he looked around, he gave the Ew. little sly, little smirk, hey, I made a funny. He got nothing. No, wow, this is, this... Zim would have gotten a lot of laughter if he had gone down that uh, type of Disrespect from the media. This is serious business. This is championship week, okay? There's no joking around in these press conferences. Only the serious are allowed to ask questions in the very disappointed in my brethren with the press that they did not laugh at that. Uh, before we talk more about Case Keenum and uh, other Minnesota sports underdog rising stories. Josh chimes in on Twitter here with a Philly fan story. I wore a Culpepper jersey into the vet circa 19, uh, uh, 2003. Home fans were the worst representation of our society I have ever encountered. They attempted to tip me over in a porta john Yes, they had portable toilets at oh. the old vet. If you, if you recall... That's an honor to be tipped over in a porta potty inside the Veterans Stadium. At the old vet, if I am not mistaken, towards the end of its run... They put a jail downstairs, and they employed With a actual like bars. And up. they yes, and they employed a judge outside that jail who immediately heard cases. That's great. There were so many people being arrested during the course of games that they they expedited the process by having a jail in the stadium. That's great. By the way, uh, Don from Philadelphia who called in yesterday, and I mean it was a lot of really generic, weak trash talk, but it was fun. It was it was good natured. Uh, I don't know if it was on his end, but it was very it was very weak, generic Philadelphia sports trash talk. He's been in my Twitter timeline for 24 hours, just <laughs> fighting with Vikings fans. 
He asked if him and his boys can crash at my place during Super Bowl week when the, the Eagles bo- make it. I love the boys. Can my boys crash? I too? said, listen, if you guys, if you're not allergic to cats, otherwise Tigger might screw up your sinuses. But uh, <laughs> you know, we can talk about it. James in Philadelphia, you're on the show. What's up, man? Good morning, guys. Hi, James. Are you an Eagles fan? I am. I'm a Philadelphia fan. All the sports, I'm a fan. But um, I, I think there's a generalization about Philadelphia fans that's really it's it's unfair. Um, there's a lot of fans out there that that are just real jackasses, and they're the ones that get all the news, and they get the city and the rest of the fan base a bad reputation. Um, you know, I, I, I live and die by it, but I'm not about to you know pick a fight or insult people or uh, you know, you know, if people come in from Minnesota to the game, you know, there are guests, and I think they should be treated as guests. And, yeah, they, they, they do get, you know, people get on them, and I just don't get it. You know, it's it's a game, and it's fun. But, you know, it's there are good fans out there in Philadelphia. And I just don't think that, you know, you, you, I don't think people are really giving Philadelphia fans, you know, Sure. So you basically what you're saying is if you run into somebody with a Randy Moss purple 84 jersey, you're not going to pull out a shiv and stab them in the stadium. You know, if somebody did, I would probably have the guy back, you know, because it's it's unfair. They, you know, the marker, you're, you're allowed to root for whomever you like, but, you know, <laughs> you have to still go to work on Monday. And, you know, it's, it's you have to put it in perspective. It's not worth you know, all the vile and all the insults and, you know, it's, and the reputation we have, some of it is earned and some of it is, you know, it's exaggerated, but, you know, not all Philadelphia fans are like that. And, and I hate the perception and it's just, it's awful. And some of it is earned. It is, that is true, you know, but it's just, um, it's, we're not all like that, you know, it's, um, and, uh, you know, if you're going to mention the bad, absolutely, you know, but, also mentioned there are good fans out there, and not all of them are throwing beer on people and stuff like that. Right on, man. James, That's you, seem, you know, seem James. like a good guy, and if you were in the studio, we'd cheers a beer and uh, may the best team win on Sunday. That'd be great. Thank you. All right, man. See you, James. James in Philadelphia. That, that's a that's a level-headed That's Eagles a very right good call. There. Good stuff. Unfortunately, Don called, and when Don called, that opened the floodgates <laughs> to this entire discussion because he he lived up to the billing of which we think of all Philadelphia sports fans. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, all right. Case Keenum, you brought this question up. It's a, it's a really good question. Is he the most unlikely success story in Minnesota sports history? Or yes. where does he sort of fall if you were to list some of the other ones? I think he is on track to be number one. I really do. Because... To me, this this discussion cannot include a, a highly touted prospect who comes up and plays well, because then, you know, you're saying, okay, this guy's supposed to come up and play well. I'm not surprised. This is a 29-year-old career backup who, who the Vikings signed to a one-year, $2 million contract on a complete flyer saying, well, if something happens to Bradford, uh, we'll go to him, but we hope not to have to play. I mean, his own, his own coach has come out and basically said, I didn't, I didn't, fully have faith in this quarterback until basically early December. Yeah. Um, The only other ones, so I threw this question out on Twitter before the show. I got Thielen, who was, of course, undrafted in 2013. Johnny Randall. Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. That's a good one. Undrafted in 1990 out of a school that has been renamed at the time as Texas A&M Kingsville. Yeah, so not Texas A&M. Texas A&M Kingsville. 
Uh, I came I came up with one from the North Stars days. Dino Cicerelli shattered his femur in junior hockey, undrafted, uh, spends most of the 80-81 season in the minor leagues, gets called up at the towards the end of the season, and then scores uh, 14 goals and 21 points in 19 playoff games and plays a pivotal role in that team making a run to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, the only other nomination I got on Twitter was Randall Cunningham when he popped back up in 98, but he, and he hadn't played mm. in 97, but he, was he had really been a star. A yeah. I, so uh, this is, a, I think, I think the case is getting closer and closer to being atop this list. So I don't, I don't think he's atop the list. I think that, I think his teammate, Adam Thielen is atop this list. I think Case Keenum's position, because quarterback is so, it's such an influential position. It's the most important position in sports, really. And, uh, and so his position elevates his visibility on this list and he's on the list. I mean, he's, He's near the top of the list. And John Randall going from a hyphenated uh, directional school to Hall of Fame, undrafted Hall of Fame. But Adam Thielen played Division II college football, mm-hmm. was like interviewing for jobs to be an accountant or something mm-hmm. in the months leading up to eventually getting an offseason job with the Vikings. He was a camp body. He was an offseason camp body. That's what he was. And now, three or four years later, he's legit one of the top ten, maybe even borderline top five wide receivers mm-hmm. in the NFL. In fact, he put up, if you look at his yardage, the receptions, he didn't quite get to 100 receptions. Chris Carter has gone, uh, he went over 100 receptions, I think, three times in his career, over 120 twice. He had the record at one point. But as far as yardage, I think Chris Carter's best yardage seasons, maybe only one or two of them were better than this year's Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen. And Thielen's still has plenty of years left in his prime. So to go from Mankato State and interviewing for jobs and maybe just trying to keep your your off-season camp pipe dream alive to vaulting yourself to top 5-ish top 10 receiver. Mm-hmm. There's there's still about 12 to 14 quarterbacks in the NFL that are better than Case Keenum for sure. Um so but and that's not a knock to be to be even a top half of the league quarterback is still pretty incredible. Right. So kind of splitting hairs, but I would go Adam Thielen over over Case Keenum for most unlikely success story. The thing about uh, Case's story that, that gets me, though, is is you're talking about a guy who was undrafted, bounced around, got a chance to play, couldn't win a job full-time, is 29, takes a flyer contract, complete flyer, and comes here now and basically... I wouldn't say he stars, but he's been very, very good. So uh, that, so, so the di- the difference to me is is this is not a guy who who got his chance and grabbed it. He got his chance one place, couldn't grab it again, couldn't, and now turns up and has been you know very good this season. Uh, John tweets in Johan Santana. Johan was supremely talented mm-hmm. and just hadn't put it together. But yeah, I think it's in terms of he was he was available in the Rule Five draft. And the Twins had to hide him on the roster for a year. He had like a six ERA his first year with the Twins because he was a J.R. Graham where they were just, they rule five drafted him and they were just trying to hide him. Yeah. Yeah. 651-646-8255. Let's go to Eddie in Houston. What's up, Eddie? You're on the show. Hey, good morning, guys. What's happening? Hi, Eddie. Hey, I I just want to put out there that I'm a big Philadelphia Eagle fan, but... I'm a I'm a U of H alumni and a big Case Keenum fan. Yeah. So, um, with all being said, I, I, I'm rooting for the Eagles, but it wouldn't be that bad if uh, if the Vikings, you know, get to play the Super Bowl. Um, good job 
for Case uh, Keenum. I really like the guy. I, I got to meet him down here in Houston when we when he was playing uh, for U of H and the Texans. And uh, you know, thumbs up for the guy. He he's a great guy. Uh, he's an awesome awesome person, and, and I, I just really like him. And yeah. best of luck. Best of luck to him. Hey Eddie, real quick, since you followed him in college, Case Keenum. For people who don't know, Case Keenum threw for more yards in college than any quarterback in the history of Division One college football, and he went undrafted. If you look at the list of like the top ten college, you know, yardage guys, it's Timmy Chang. You know, didn't get drafted out of Hawaii. So when he yep. went undrafted, did you still think, all right, he's going to get a shot at some point, and he's gonna and he's gonna star if he gets that shot? Oh, I knew it. I knew it. You see, the guy he he is uh, he leaves for football. He's, he's been always football since he was a kid, you know, up in Abilene, Texas. So he, he, he was going to get a, a, a good chance. And I was talking to my kid last night about getting a chance because my kid, he, he plays basketball. He wants, to get a, he wants to be the best player in basketball in the world. But I said, hey, you have to wait. You have to wait. Your chance, your chance is going to come as well as Case Keenum came, you know. That's his chance, and he took it. And out of the blue, he's going to come. So, uh yeah, and he sets a good example too, of perseverance and 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 patience. Yep. Yeah, he Thanks is. Hey, Eddie, that's that's good perspective from Eddie down in uh, in Houston, who followed Case Keenum in college. Good phone call. So, twenty nine though is that that's the thing that gets me about this story, and and it's going to be it's going to be a very intriguing story if this is one year here, and that then he goes to the Cardinals and signs a, th- a you know multi-year contract or something like that. That's that's the reason why he nears the top of, of my list, because this could be just a one-season complete w- wonder type of deal, and from here you don't know what's yeah, going to happen. Yeah, it's also like the, the reason why I, I mean, if he's not number one on my list, he's like third. So we're, we're you know, we're splitting hairs between John Randall and Keenan. It's a great question, and I agree with the premise, but he's he's an underdog, but not really. You know, he was the, the leading passer in college football history, and um, and he's been a starting quarterback with the Texans and with the Rams. And, you know, Kurt Warner was begging groceries and playing in the Arena League. Mm-hmm. And then Cedar all of a Rapids, sudden yeah. throws for 40 touchdown passes the next day and leads the Rams to a Super Bowl championship. Case Keenum's been on the radar since college. He yep. was part of a John Gruden quarterback camp episode on ESPN. And it's, now that you've, you see his success here... He's not Aaron Rodgers, but he was draftable. It's just weird that he wasn't drafted. Yeah, I know. For how like a sixth round or something. Yeah, like yes, why you can't is. take a flyer in the sixth round on the greatest yardage passing quarterback. Yeah, Houston system leads everyone to throw for yards. It's kind of like Texas Tech the same way. Right. But it's it's a little bit weird. Let's take one more call here, Mike six five one six four six eight two five five. What's up, Mike? Hey guys, thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not really doing the underdog thing. I just wanted to say that. Um, the way the Vikes are going to win this game is by running the ball effectively and preventing the Eagles from doing the same. Um, if they try to play it safe like they have been, I mean, everything Doug Peterson has given Nick Foles has been nothing but just safe, 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 safe. Mm-hmm. They try to do that against us, it's going to be a perpetual third down for them. I don't know where they're going to get the points. Um, the only weakness we really have defensively is the deep ball. So um, if they don't, if they don't throw, do some chunky throws, it ain't happening for them. We're going to grind them out. They'll run out of time. Yeah, you know, I want to, Mike, that's a great point. Let's piggyback off what he's saying. A, do you believe it? Or, the notion that hey, the Eagles aren't going to, they're not going to be able to score. I actually have a good comparison 
The Vikings already played a game like this earlier in the year, but this will be an easier test than the one they played earlier in the year. Plus, Tom Pelissero will join from NFL Network here at the bottom of the hour. Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd now continue. We have the goods. On 1500 ESPN. Oh, what's going on, Philadelphia? John Barchard in again for the uh, midday show for Joe Cameron. John Ritchie hanging out as usual. James Seltzer behind the glass. And ladies and gentlemen, it is no surprise as it is Wednesday. It's the middle of the week and the Eagles are still underdogs. Oh, my God. Yeah, there you go. There oh you have it. God. Still underdogs. Dude, I, dude. I'm telling you, I want Suits to start his show just like that today. I want GL to start oh with Suits giving the big intro. Oh. Good afternoon, Spoon Lake. Yeah. Oh, I would pay, I'd pay so much money. We have been monitoring Philadelphia Sports Talk Radio. Uh, WIP, the fanatic, is it the fanatic, right? In Philly, Correct, yeah. yeah. The NFL Network, man, they ain't giving the Eagles no respect. No respect. I was watching, no respect, dude. I was watching an NFL Pick'em show, and they it, it was before the Vikings and the Saints had played, mm-hmm. and they said it didn't matter who won that game. It was going to be a cakewalk <laughs> through Philadelphia on their way to the Super Bowl. A cakewalk. A cakewalk. That's what they call Philadelphia. They called them. A cakewalk. I love how one random guy of the hundred people on NFL Network no, they, probably had that opinion. They and it's said, like, it. "No, dude, it's all, all of America." They said, "All it. of America came together, all three hundred million people, and said this." The entire National Football League <laughs> is pulling against Philadelphia on Sunday. There's no question in my mind about it. Oh my god, it's a god. conspiracy against the Eagles. Yeah, um, the, it, it's a road game on grass, which makes it tougher. I mean, the Vikings' defense is so fast. Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks, Harrison Smith, Everson Griffin. Playing on artificial surface, they say, well, it helps offenses. It helps the Vikings defense to be on an artificial surface. So yeah, I don't think you're going to get the same exact speed and the same exact version of the Vikings defense on grass. And the best comparison I can come up with, and this is why I think the Eagles, if the Eagles are going to win this game, I think they need two or three big flukish type plays, either offensively or special teams. I think that's the only way they get beyond 10 points which could happen, and it happened in a game already this season for the Vikings against a better quarterback than Nick Foles and against a team that was probably a little more explosive than a Nick Foles-led offense here. Carson Wentz is a different story, but Cam Newton and the Panthers, they jumped out to a lead, Mm -hmm. and they wound up winning that game, Mm -hmm. road game for the Vikings, grass, with two 60-yard home run plays. Mm -hmm. And also a couple bad 15-yard penalties for the Vikings, but they busted off the Jonathan Stewart- 60-yard touchdown run on third or fourth and short early in that game. And then when the Vikings came back, Cam Newton iced it with a 60-plus-yard run down inside the red zone. Very uncharacteristic for the Vikings. The Vikings have given up the fewest 20-plus-yard plays defensively of any team in the NFL. Mm -hmm. I think the Eagles need two or three plays like that just to get into, like, the 14, 17, 20-point range. Vikings offense, you're not going to have to score 30 to win this game. I just don't see a path to the Eagles running up a big score on this defense. But it did happen in Carolina where they gave up. They got leaky. They gave up a couple big 60-plus-yard plays. I will tell you that the same thing about this game that I said uh, for the Saints game, and that is this. Defensively, I have um, a world of confidence in the Vikings. I think they'll be absolutely fine. I think they'll play well, and I don't think that, that we'll see a couple of, of 
fluky breakdowns. This comes back to me to the offense. This comes back to me to the Vikings offense. Can they stay away from mistakes? Can they possess the ball? Can the run game, which is going to be difficult, can that work? If it can, I think you're in very good shape. It's the, the defense does not concern me. What concerns me is the potential on the road, on grass, outdoor environment with a with a hostile fan base for you to have mistakes on offense that could cost you. But here's where I'm confused about your stance on this the last two days. Mm-hmm. You just said you don't foresee breakdowns by the Vikings defense Perfect. against Nick Foles. You don't foresee them giving up like big plays to I, a Nick Foles offense. Yeah, I don't foresee right? Uh, yes, okay. I don't. I don't foresee twenty-one points from that offense. But if if there if if almost nobody could score twenty-one points on this defense, it took a Redskins in a road game, and that's also grass. I mean, we're kind of seeing similar trends here. Um, and Panthers, mm-hmm. if the defense isn't going to get leaky and give up big plays, and there's nothing to worry about because it's that defense against Nick Foles, the offense doesn't have to be flawless to score seventeen points to win the game. Like that's that's my logic that if the defense plays the way that it should against Nick Foles and company, even mm-hmm. on the road, even on grass, mm-hmm. you can afford to not be perfect offensively. Just don't turn it over three times. Well, like, right, right. But but what you can't the the Philadelphia defense is very good, and, and it's not beyond them to score points. So my my point is, if if you want to to win this game and not have to have a miracle uh, to take place at the end, which it probably won't again. If you want to be comfortable about how you play in this game, my only concern is the offense and the fact that they can't make mistakes. That's my concern. I don't think that Nick Foles is going to come out and have a great game. I think this defense is too good. I think Foles, I think Foles can dink and dunk a bit, but that's it. But my only worry is if the run game doesn't start to work and Keenum starts to press and Keenum makes a few bad throws, and all, all of a sudden, the defense is going against uh, Foles on a short field. That can be a problem. And I and I just think the beauty of this team and the way that they've won is that Case Keenum has been imperfect. Part of his charm is that he's imperfect. He drops back and throws these like that completion to Adam Thielen in the fourth quarter was that kind of a fifty-fifty ball. Phil Mackey. No, I I don't disagree that can with end that. Seasons. I agree, but but listen to what I'm saying. They've won all of these games despite having an imperfect Case Keenum. Because when you have the number one scoring and points defense and number one third down defense in the NFL, you don't have to be flawless. You don't have to be the 98 Vikings or the 09 Vikings to win games. Like, I could foresee a circumstance in which this game gets ugly both ways, where both quarterbacks throw a couple interceptions, and it, and and whoever wins, whether it's the Vikings or Eagles, they win like 13 to 10. The Vikings can win this game 13 to 10 or 13 to 9, mm-hmm. turning the ball over a couple times. Like, this, this game could get very angsty and very ugly. And if it's going to rain and stuff too, like this could just be a really un- aesthetically unpleasing game as we've seen all year. Mm-hmm. This team can win without being perfect on offense. I, I think you're I think you're I'm, a little bit too panicked on it. No, no, no. I'm I'm tell I'm telling you what should concern you. If you're a Vikings fan, that's it. That's what should concern you. It, it's what, been, what, the, what every what the, the mistakes okay. the potential the potential one games the making poten- mistakes the all poten- season the potential for but eventually eventually those type of, of mistakes the Keenum has made come back at some point in time to bite you you don't it, want that it will you against the Patriots you don't want that and and I I would say that I could tell you right now that there is that if Keenum plays a smart game it's very feasible to not have this be. Basically, an entire game that feels like hell because you're going back and forth and back and forth. This defense is good enough. 
What you need is the offense to, as a whole, play a smart game. They don't have to play a great game. They have to play a smart game. It's a lot of generalities. What nope. is great? What is smart? What is not throwing up a pop fly ball pass? But he does it's it every game. But, I, but what he I'm saying is, don't. Game. But he doesn't have to. There's. A, I'm <laughs> telling you, there's no mandate in the in the key to manual that says he has to throw a stupid pass. Dave, I need a third voice here, real quick, before we get to Tom Pelissero. I think Judd is in denial of how the Vikings, like what their formula is to have won this many games this season. There's no formula it's that says case, you have to make it's mistakes. Case Keenum being imperfect and them winning despite that. And, and the Saints are better than the Eagles. Like, they can win without being perfect offensively, and you're panicking all week. I'm not panicking. I'm telling you what's going to make it four quarters of hell, David. Well, I understand that. It seems like your worry is turnovers. But you could say that for any single game. So I don't really understand what what makes this game more dire of an issue than, than any other game. Because, they, they turn because, it over against Drew Brees and won I'll game. tell you why. Because last week, as Chip said, you walked to the edge of the cliff and you dangled your foot. And you didn't need to. Don't do it again. When you do, when you make the mistakes that they made at home on Sunday against the Saints on the road, that's how you cost yourself games. Yeah, and my point is, yeah, you can't lose the turnover battle. We get that. Come up with something fresh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tom Pelissero huh? from NFL Network. That's the stupidest back. thing I ever heard. Oh, my God. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. From that day on, we was always together. Mackey and Judd. Like peas and carrots. On 1500 ESPN. Are we proud of what we accomplished? You know, heck yeah. Uh, do we have more out in front of us? Heck yeah. So, um, you know, just like Coach said, what matters today is uh, is how we work, how we prepare today, and uh, you know, getting ready to beat, uh, beat the Eagles. Case Keenum talking about uh, how he needs to be perfect offensively <clears throat> per Judd Zolgad. Uh-huh. Or he no stupid pop the flies. There's no mandate. There's no. There's no no edict that says that for Case to be fun to watch, he's got to throw a pop fly pass. All right, Tom Pelissero, NFL Network, uh, long time. Uh, he helped us launch this brand in 2010. 1500 ESPN. What What's your read on? Is this going to be just like an ugly? I know the over under is 38 and a half for Vikings Eagles. Tom. That's a really low over-under by NFL standards, but it almost feels high for this particular game. What's your read on on the game flow here on Sunday? I think, and in talking to a number of people over the past few days, it, it seems like it's going to be one of those games that comes down to turnovers. Who does a better job taking care of the football? Who can run it? You know, Who can possess it? Uh, I, I don't think, you know, just looking at the numbers, and I've got them in front of me from the NFL research people. I mean, you look at the numbers on both these defenses. People have passed a little bit uh, on the Eagles this season. You know, they're around middle of the pack in that, but these are two of the top run defenses in the league, the two of the top scoring defenses in the league. Um, you know, running the football and being able to not cough it up is going to be huge. You know, yesterday I asked Kyle Rudolph in his press conference, you know, what do you remember about what went wrong? You go to Philly at 5-0, and and it fell apart, and he said, I remember we turned the ball over a ton. It was that back and forth, both yep. teams turning it over. They tried to integrate Jake Long at left tackle, and I want to say two of his first snaps were strip sacks on Sam Bradford. It was just a mess. You know, that, that's the type of game you can't afford to play, and the Vikings have not put themselves in that spot a whole lot. The only game that they've lost in the past several months was one against Carolina where they were sloppy. You know, they had a couple of just misfits on defense, uh, assignment errors. They did turn the ball over. Um, uh, other than that, they've they've played their style of football, which 
also happens to be uh, sort of the Eagles style of football too. Hey Tommy, in, in your your mind, where where do the the Vikings have the biggest edge on Philly, and conversely, where do the Eagles hold the biggest edge on the Vikings for this game? Do you think? I think it's the ability to throw the football. I think that that's a big deal. I know that people look at Nick Foles last week being twenty of thirty passing, or twenty three of thirty rather. Yeah, you know, they were more or less running the Chip Kelly offense last week. After the first couple drives, the Eagles struggled. Then all of a sudden, what did you see? It was the smoke and mirrors, pulling the handoffs, throwing the quick slants, getting the ball out of Foles' hands. Uh, you know, and it was effective. I'm not saying it wasn't, but they scored, what, 15 points mm-hmm. in that game? It's not like they lit it up. What they did was they went full ball control, just how did we get Foles in rhythm? Uh, you know, they weren't taking shots downfield. Foles' deep passing numbers this season are terrible. That's something they've lost from Carson Wentz. They've also lost Carson Wentz's scrambling ability. Uh, Nick Foles, I remember talking to one of uh, his former coaches right when he took over, and, and more or less the message was he can make every single throw in Doug Peterson's offense. He knows that scheme. He worked with Andy Reid in Kansas City. The one thing he's not going to do is consistently extend plays, get outside the pocket, make things happen. He's more or less got to play completely in rhythm, which is what he did when he had that huge year with Chip Kelly and in 2013. So they've gone to that style, but against a Vikings defense that's been really good this season in terms of stopping the run, all of a sudden you're maybe not as threatened as you otherwise might be by that fake handoff that's opening things up on the edge. I think the Vikings, you know, in terms of their offense with Chase Keenum pulling it, yeah, he's going to uncork one every now and then like he did on that jump ball interception, which is, you know, the type of one that's going to make Mike Zimmer pull his hair out, but he's also made some plays. I mean, Case Keenum made three or four big, big-time throws down the stretch in that game last week, and that's something that we just have not seen Nick Foles do. Tom, what's uh, how would you compare what the league in general thought about Case Keenum, let's say, a year ago versus right now? I remember talking with uh, the Rams GM, Les Snead, about, about Keenum because Snead had you know, brought Keenum in a couple of times. And, you know, The one word that everybody brought up was moxie, and Snead said that is a great word. In other words, you know, when, when Keenum steps in the huddle, there's something about him, his demeanor, his approach. Guys believe in him. Even when they weren't playing well, Keenum was somebody who kind of guys, they liked the way that he played. They liked the fire. They liked the fact that he gave guys opportunities uh, to go get the football. But he had been certainly turnover prone. You know, he's not a tall quarterback. He's undersized uh, for that position. He's got a pretty good arm. Um, but there were, there were certainly holes in this game that you could, you could poke. I think that, you know, like a lot of quarterbacks, you needed to find the exact right system for him. Pat Shermer has done an excellent job being able to gear the offense around what he does well. The fact that the Vikings have continued to run the football pretty effectively with Latavius Murray and Jared McKinnon since Dalvin Cook went down. Uh, I don't, so I don't think necessarily the opinion on Case Keenum has changed. There's certainly skeptics in the league still about Case Keenum, but everybody always knew that guy would cut it loose. You know, he would make some plays. He just would make some mistakes, too. And the good news is when you're running the football and when you're playing good defense, you're not put in as many positions where you're trying to make plays that just aren't there. What's your sense of how this plays out now with Case? Do you think he stays here? Do you think he gets a big offer elsewhere? What's your what's your guess about who's going to be the opening day quarterback for the Vikings in 2018? Well, as my colleague Ian Rappaport has reported, Pat Shermer is expected to become the coach of the New York Giants. I was also told... Um, recently that he was the top guy on the Arizona Cardinals list. So Pat Shermer is going to be someplace else. If he needs somebody who runs his offense, there's actually going to be three guys available. 
because all the Vikings quarterbacks are unsigned for next season. Uh, this will be a fascinating quarterback market in general. I don't know entirely how that affects Case Keenum. I think that certainly, uh, again, you're going to have skeptics in the league who wonder, can he replicate this in a different system if he doesn't have one of the best defenses in the NFL, if he doesn't have that run game, if he doesn't have that coordinator. Uh, he'll get some money, but look at some of the other guys who are going to be out there. Kirk Cousins. Uh, potentially is going to be available depending on what the Redskins do with a third tag. Uh, Drew Brees is unsigned right now. Uh, Brees said the other day he doesn't intend to test the free agent market, but the Saints have made no move to this point uh, to lock up Brees. Alex Smith would be available in a potential trade. Jimmy Garoppolo is unsigned uh, beyond this season, even though the 49ers just traded for him. I mean, the 49ers are actually in, I think, a worse spot than the Vikings are because they've now, their fans have completely bought into Jimmy Garoppolo as the hope they you know, they, they make their surge late in the season. They've got to pay him whatever it takes. And I, I talked to people recently who think Jimmy Garoppolo, it's going to take minimum $24, $25 million a year to re-sign him. Keenum's a little bit older. Uh, you've got a longer track record on him. Um, but you've also seen Keenum struggle a little bit more than we've seen Garoppolo struggle through the course of his career. I still think the number is going to go high. I mean, we're, we're well past the days where a guy like Case Keenum can have a season like this and you go, okay, we're just going to do a two-year, $30 million bridge deal. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's going to get his money someplace, and I think the Vikings, they're kind of edging toward that, too. I mean, if you go to the Super Bowl with the guy, how do you not find a way to lock him up? Keenum will have a, a decent amount of leverage, especially, again, uh, when Shermer is coaching a different team. I mean, the, Tom, the supply and demand of top quarterbacks in the world is so off balance. There's no middle class. You know, it's either a rookie deal or a backup deal for a couple million dollars. Or you put out a performance like Case Keenum did, um, and and the first thing, if I'm Case Keenum's agent, the first thing I do is I say, well, Mike Glennon got this, and Brock Osweiler got that, and my guy just beat Drew Brees in a playoff game. Let's talk. I mean, uh, do you foresee any way that there will be a middle class anytime soon, and guys maybe making $10 million a year on a multi-year deal instead of 18 to 20 Well, Glennon really set that that middle class fill in terms of I think he got three years forty five million, of which eighteen million was his year one take. Which is a lot of money when you get benched in week four or whatever it was when uh, they went to Mitchell Trubisky. Um you know, it's hard because yeah, you're right. There's there was a huge gap there from the eighteen million guys to the the eight million dollar guys. I think that, you know, in the end there's there are not thirty two starting quarterbacks, so anybody who is functional is going to edge up Higher than that, especially when you got to remember the salary cap's been growing by $10 million per team for about four years now. You've got teams out there like the 49ers or the Browns who have 90, 100, $110 million in cap space next season. They can put huge chunk first year payments uh, into contracts um, and, and be able to drive up the market that way. And the agents know that. I mean, Case Keenum got to the point by certainly the end of November where he and his agent would not have no deal, no interest in doing a deal. The Vikings could have come with, to them with an offer, and unless it was you know $50 million a year, they weren't going to sign it because they know his leverage was only going to grow from that point forward. Uh, yeah, they, there's a lot of moving parts. I mean, we haven't even talked about Sam Bradford, who I think is going to be someplace in the league next season. He's obviously got a challenge ahead of him in terms of somebody passing him on a physical, but the fact that he got – active uh, this past week, was in uniform. He does look a lot better. I watched him throwing for about 15 minutes after practice yesterday. Uh, it's night and day from what he looked like when he was trying to come back early in the season. So that surgery that he had to clean out a bone spur and get the joint cleaned up, that seems to have had a, a positive impact. And then, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, I think that 
the, the Teddy Bridgewater matter has really been overstated in every regard from the start. I mean, I remember saying on this station and elsewhere that the push outside the building that Teddy Bridgewater needed to take over as the starter totally outweighed the push inside the building, even when it was October and November and Mike Zimmer was not committing to Case Keenum as his starter. Because the Vikings didn't know. They don't know what's going to happen when Bridgewater actually has to go out there. He played, what, six snaps in that game a few weeks ago. Three of them were kneeled out. Uh, you know, th- that's the reason that Sam Bradford's active last week. This wasn't suddenly, oh, my God, something went totally wrong with Bridgewater. It was, no, Bradford's played a game. Yes. He's played football. He's played it against the Saints yep. in the past few months. With Bridgewater, you haven't seen him play a meaningful down uh, since that playoff game two years ago. So that's that's a big risk to continue to have Bridgewater be the active quarterback and maybe have to take over in a, a make-or-break type of situation. You've got a little bit more of a known with Bradford, but all these guys are, are unsigned, and they're all, in their own individual ways, fascinating uh, cases in terms of exactly what their value is on the market. Yeah, awesome insight, as always, from uh, Tom Pellicero. Hey, you're, uh, we love watching you crush it at NFL Network, and uh, keep doing so throughout the playoffs. Thanks, Tommy. We appreciate it. And by the way, guys, I will be on uh, through this entire weekend covering some of the 57 years of the Vikings letting people down uh, angle. So <laughs> you'll not want to miss the Sunday morning uh, video essay I've got on that time. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, we'll Tom. Look forward to Talk that, to man. you later. Bye, Tom. Thanks, Tom Pelissero. And thanks for a good friend. Heads up. Uh, by the way, before we get to stuff yeah, here. Yeah, this is a huge We've just news. been tipped off. So Chris Long from Channel 5 is in Philadelphia right now through the weekend. He just sends us a text. Uh, the Philly station, he's talking about the Fanatic in uh, in Philly, mm-hmm. has Don, Don from Philly, who called us with some very generic, weak, stereotypical, cliche Philly Philadelphia trash sports talk. trash talk yesterday, that he's on the Fanatic right now as we speak, and they're talking about you guys clowning the conversation you guys had, and uh, they played our conversation with Don. So we, we should probably monitor that and play whatever weak sauce... They have wow, and come back over the top. So they're making sometime. fun of us? Of us? I think they're just making fun of you and your generic sports takes about Case Keenum from oh, last yeah. segment. Yeah, yeah. Because Case Keenum <laughs> can certainly afford to go into Philadelphia and screw up the whole game and they'll still win. It'll nope. be cute. See, now you're, It'll be cute now and you're charming. misrepresenting. It'll be cute and charming. If Case Keenum doesn't doesn't throw 40 Dave, for 40 Dave, for 700 Dave, what's yards. coming up on stuff? <laughs> Joe Buck isn't the only Buck that fans have hated. We've got more on that. We've got broken faces. We've got Gronk. And we've, yeah, we got a lot of good stuff. All, All right. Cool. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. May I present a pair of fellow sophisticates? Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. That stuff you should know about is sponsored by Walgreens. Switch your Medicare Part D prescriptions to Walgreens and start saving today with copays as low as zero. Dollars on select plans with tier one generics. Walgreens trusted since 1901. And now, ladies and gentlemen, please rise. Men, remove your caps as we honor America and the Twin Cities sports scene with the playing of Stuff You Should Know About. Wow, new intros. We got all kinds of stuff. All All kinds of stuff here. Hey, uh, so right after, Chris Long texted again from Philadelphia, and he said, the Fanatic in Philly, he hopped in his rental car, turned on the radio, and turned on the Fanatic in Philadelphia, and it was my voice on the radio because they were playing Don from Philly's call with us yesterday where, like, they think that he punked us because he just talked like he was from Philadelphia, like like an elementary school bully tough guy. Um, 
It was very generic and weak. Were those callers from Philadelphia that blew up our lines during the commercial break? I got one from Philly, but he's actually a Vikings fan. Okay. And then uh, one local guy. So there, uh, we're going to get several calls, I'm sure, in the 11 o'clock hour uh, once we get back to it. They're yeah. all going to fly here and beat Phil up. That's what's going to happen. Uh, yeah. I won't take many of them. Just, you know, one. Listen. One little kid from Philly. Listen, yeah. my, my hey, man, sharp wits. I'm going to beat your butt. Is that what they sound like? That's what they'll sound like. All right, Harrigan, let's get to stuff before it's too late. <laughs> Hey, Gronk, that fan base you've got at Foxborough, man, they're fierce. Tough place to play, right? Many reasons. I mean, our fans are always coming out. I mean, I, I, not bringing it back. I mean, I, I remember last year I was watching the stands, and they were going bazooka. They were super loud, super proud. They were going bazooka. Percent chance he thinks the word is actually bazooka instead of berserk, what he meant there. 98.75% chance yeah, he thinks I'm, bazooka is the correct word. I'm with Judd. It's like 100. It's like 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Going bazooka. <laughs> Joe okay. Buck is hated by a lot of people for good reasons, bad reasons, whatever it is. I don't care. He was on the uh, an SI podcast. Uh, the other, it may have just been yesterday or the day before. Uh, Jimmy Traina, the host on SI, and uh, he had a little story about old Papa Buck. My dad got that. He did two years with McCarver in 90 and 91. Right, CBS. And he came back to his hotel room one night in Pittsburgh after a game with the Pirates, and my mom and dad walked into their hotel room, and there was a footprint in the middle of their pillow oh my God. On, the, on the bed. And there was a note, <laughs> which I've never told anybody that said stop rooting for Atlanta and it was from some Pirates fan <laughs> that thought he was biased against Pittsburgh it was the same night that uh, Bobby it's a long story but Bobby Vinton sang the national anthem a Pittsburgh guy and he screwed it all up and my dad said something that was well when you're Polish and you live in Pittsburgh right, right. You can sing the anthem any way you want, and they'll still love it. And and so my dad was like, oh, they were just mad about the Bobby Vince thing. But he used to get letters, and he talked to Scully. It's just now is a different world. Yeah, and if you're curious about the Bobby Vinton thing, I did listen to it. I found it, and yeah, he screwed a few early words up, and this is exactly what Jack Buck said at the end of the anthem. Well, when you're Polish and live in Pittsburgh, you can do anything you want with the words. It's <laughs> pretty good. It is amazing how now, if you're in a, a public figure position, a you know, Joe Buck, or a, if you're an athlete, if you blow a play like Marcus Williams did for the Saints at the end of the Vikings game, 30, 40, 50 years ago, you just avoid the newspapers and you know, just don't go outside for a while. Now it's like, shut down your Instagram, shut down your Twitter, shut down your email, shut down this, <laughs> websites, everything. I seem to recall in 91, we, we thought that Jack was against us. Probably. I recall that. And, uh, and the big... Controversy was the 87 World Series when Al Michaels, uh, during a commercial break, said something about our town and send warm clothes or something, how it, it was cold here. And there was a uh, Star Tribune, the critic was watching the game on a satellite dish. And in those days, they didn't go to break. So the between innings banter mm -hmm. came over the dish. Oh, no. And so he wrote about it. And Michaels just got savage, wow. and Michaels got really, really upset, and it went back and forth and got ugly. It was good. Oh, we like it here. Yeah, as yeah, you said, you're right. Uh, you guys have been uh, keeping track of the Paul Pierce, Isaiah Thomas saga. 
Oh, now yeah. Isaiah's now he's not going to have a video tribute. Yeah. Or, yeah. Them 11th, yeah. they're retiring Pierce's number yes. in Boston. They were. It's also the the, Celt- or the Cavaliers are going to be there. They're going to do a video tribute, and Pierce got all mad about that, said the night should be about me. Thomas said, fine, I don't care. Just don't do the tribute. Well, last night on ESPN, Jalen Rose stuck his nose in the middle of it. By the way, the Boston Celtics did turn around their fortunes since you played there when Isaiah Thomas was leading them. Right. He was a part of them being a number one seed. He had tragedy with the team. He even played in a playoff game after his sister tragically passed away. Next, I got to say a word for you, fam. I thought it was petty. (laughs) On who? On Paul Pierce's part. In what part? I love Paul. This is my part. Because to me, there are going to be all type of announcements that happen the 48 minutes during that game. Okay. All types. Okay. Including celebrating Isaiah Thomas could be one of them. What does not take away from your situation, like Kobe's, that happened during the game, because they're doing yours um, post game. Right. But throughout the game, you're going to have different memories from Absolutely. the time I spent there. So now you take another two days from the memory. No. Oh, oh, you just said that, Jay. And, and put that. And, and, and this is the thing. Like, Dude, they're going to make tribute said, videos and all night for him. I tell you something about your birthday? It ain't only your birthday. A lot of people's <laughs> birthday happened that time. Dude, I, I am on Team Jalen for this. By the way, that was Paul Pierce on set with those guys. Oh, yeah. Right? They were, that was to directly his, to him. To his face, which is awesome. But he sounds. How. Even if that's what you think in your mind, like, man, I was the greatest Celtic of this era and I'd like my own night. How do you say that out loud and push as much as he has for the last month? That is amazing to me. The bottom line, though, is this. These tributes got to go. We got to stop with it. Just because you played well and played there does not mean you get a video tribute. It's driving me crazy. So I want they're done. Stop it. Wild, stop it. Jason Pominville, no. If you want to go say thank you to Pominville personally, that's fine. But I don't want to see a damn video tribute ever again to some guy that came here and played well. Well, Isaiah Thomas, I think, I think that he, he was, he was a, a he, he was a very nice player, player for him. I, you know what it is? You get a video tribute if you win a championship. Otherwise, you do not get a video tribute on my time. <laughs> Tired of this. Earlier in the day on ESPN yesterday, it was first take Stephen A. across from the table. Him uh, was not Max. It was uh, Damian Woody. The subject being debated, according to the logo or the uh, the graphic on screen, Drew Brees says he does not plan to test free agency market now. Imagine how the debate just sounds in your head. All right, picture it between Stephen A. and Damian Woody. You got something? It's something in my Here's head. Here's what it actually sounds like. Speaking up is actually the last <laughs> thing that needs to be done right now. Who, who is the moderator? No one speak up, please. Oh, Molly Kieran was there oh, and just Molly. kind of laughing around, laughing to it. I think she poured some cyanide in her uh, in her drink <laughs> and fell back in her chair. God. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500 if you want to talk Vikings and Eagles.